When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. W- what is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! Come on! Ready! Down! Set! Hut! 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 Hit me! Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom! It's time for the Soonerscoop.com post game show. Now, here's your road crew. Jerry, Eddie, and Bob wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. All right, welcome back. It is the Eskridge Lexus post game show right here on Soonerscoop.com. And uh, we are sort of live from Dallas. We're doing something that we've never done before. I'm actually on the road back to Norman. Bob Presbillo is uh, still in the press box finishing up our stories. Eddie Radosevich, who was uh, blocked, horns up for peace, was, uh, I don't know, do we want to make it out like there was a boycott of horns up for peace, Eddie? And that they uh, wouldn't let you I in the press box today? Yeah, I guess something like that, but I, I would think that, I think that probably the best way to say it is it worked out pretty well. Maybe that was the plan all along. So all games from here on out, uh, just me and Bob, Eddie will stay at home. Is that what you're saying? I mean, if what whatever's clever for the fan base. I don't believe in jinxes. Uh, I hate that stupid Dr. Pepper commercial where the guy gets arrested for jinxing the kicker. I don't believe in that stuff. I have friends that sit in one spot and watch OU games with OU helmets on uh, because they think it helps. It doesn't help. I don't believe that it helps. (laughs) I don't know if anything could help today. I mean, my God. What a shit show. Like... I, I went to my own personal account, left the Scoop account, went to my own. But by the way, uh, Sooners went in quadruple overtime today, 53 to 45 in just a, God, I mean, at one point, Eddie, it was 31-17, and you thought, wow, Oklahoma finally did it with four and a half minutes to go. They have finally put together the complete game. It took two losses to get us here, but this team really now understands what it means to play a full fucking football game. Oh, God damn it. Look at that. Sam Ellinger. Touchdown. Oh, what the hell? Okay, so it's 31-24. to 24. Surely they learned their lesson. Surely. Oh, here goes an onside kick. Okay. Uh, they didn't get. I mean, like, it just it fell apart, Eddie, in the last four minutes of the game, and you felt like you were right back in the last two weeks. It was. I mean, it was everything that you've seen as far as Oklahoma being really good at times. Uh, then you saw things being like it was. It was an it was an encompassation of everything that Oklahoma has done in the first three weeks of the season, all boiled down into like it seemed like separate quarters. It was. It was just. It was unbelievable. I mean, that is probably one of the best OU Texas games, regardless of how you want to look at it. It was one of the best OU Texas games of all time. And then when you throw in the fact that uh, kind of what you said, as far as being up 14, losing that lead, going to overtime, probably not even being the team that wanted to be in overtime, 
and you know, I. I and you also I, thought that there was no way that Oklahoma was going to win that game when it started going no, into overtime. No, like, oh my God, how is this me? team going to score a touchdown, and how are they going to stop Texas from scoring a touchdown with all the momentum that the Longhorns had? It was just incredible, and like I was a little surprised that when. They scored at the end of regulation. I was a little surprised they didn't think about going for two. I did, I really too. I did, too. Or that OU didn't think about going for two. Sure, sure. And well, and and then just the way that it all went down in the overtimes with the block kick, Burkich. Oh, my up. God. Burkich just choking it away. I mean, I... Chokes off the way, Kerry. That's the I one think, thing I, I never saw. got benched in the first half. No, he did. He absolutely did. In, in place of Tanner Mordecai, <laughs> who was good for, like, a couple of series, but then pretty soon you knew, like, okay, Tanner Mordecai is not the answer here. Just keeping the ball away from Texas is not going to win this game. And if they did, if, if Lincoln Riley did not put Spencer Rattler back in, they, they would not have won the game. It was absolutely incredible. And you know what? I mean – as, as much uh, doubt, criticism, or whatever you want to call it that's been on the Oklahoma defense at times, they were pretty good today. I thought Isaiah Thomas had a really good game. Well, you thought that Woody Washington salted it away with his pick in the – a tremendous pickoff in the end zone where he was actually a step behind uh, – I can't even remember the receiver for Texas. I don't know if it was Moore or who it was uh, or Eagles, but he, he the receiver had a step on him. It was a little bit underthrown. He made up ground quickly. He went up, high-pointed it, took it away from the receiver, and you're like, okay, this defense finally did it. Like, they are going to win this game. Like, I I wanted to almost just call ball game right then and there, and then OU comes out, and that reverse to Theo Wees that was just a disaster. They go three and out. They give the ball right back to Texas, and here you go. The defense just falls apart going down the stretch it was uh it was incredible i mean it was it was absolutely incredible just a pretty gutsy performance and you know gary i don't know like the big picture takeaway but what a massive win that is for the program because if you lose that and you walk out of there having lost in overtime knowing that you had a 14 point lead you're one in three going into a bye week I mean, there can be a shit ton of neg- uh, negativity and criticism that could infiltrate that locker room uh, but, you know, I, I credit to them, and I think Riley said it after the game. They were able to persevere through it, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's a uh, that's a massive, massive win. And how cool is it that, I guess, technically, Drake Stoops ends up having the uh, the game-winning touchdown, and it's sealed by a Trey Brown interception in the at the end of the fourth overtime. I thought those were pretty cool moments. I mean, Spencer Rattler saved his best for overtime. I mean, that's that's the way that I look at this game. He, he, he did some nice things throughout the game to help build that 31-point lead, but he did more harm than good. In the overtime, the throw to Stogner, the throw to Stoops, the throw that uh, Rambo dropped in the corner was a great pass. Uh, yeah. And then there was another drop. I think Stogner dropped it over the middle. I think that was when they ended up punching it in on fourth and inches. Uh, but I will say this. Kudos to the offensive line today. They played their asses off. They played physical. 
They blew Texas off the ball at times. They made big holes for a couple of running backs that are not your premier running back, Seth McGowan. Uh, being out of the game today. You didn't know how that was going to go. Marcus Major did some of the best stuff that we've seen him do as a running back. It'll go, like Everybody was so down on him coming into this game. He did enough today where I think everybody can look at him now and say, let's let's put Marcus in there, see what he could do right now if, if, if everything's kind of stalling. Yeah, and, you know, I, I guess overall you could, you could also say that there's no doubt about it that T.J. Pledger took the reins as the uh, number one running back on this team today. Uh, a couple stats from the game. Spencer Rattler goes 23 of 35, obviously had the one interception, 209 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, T.J. Pledger is the sole rusher over 100 yards today. 22 carries, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Impressive. Yeah. Aver- he actually averaged six yards a carry. And he carry. punched in two from the one-yard line, which a lot of people – I mean, that's been an issue all year long. And yeah, OU would, got down at the goal line several times today, and they were able to punch it in, except for that first drive where they ended up with a field goal. Yeah, I was I was surprised that Riley settled for a field goal there early. And, you know, <laughs> you go all the way back to the overtimes, and they go for it on the fourth and one when Rattler's marked short after the review. And, I mean – Thank God Tom Herman called the timeout there before the snap or as the snap was happening because they go into a what looks to be a play action there, and I don't think anything was open. And you never know if, like, you just never know how that play is going to work out if they're actually able to run it. But the timeout, then they're able to come back out, punch it in, and uh, kind of the rest was history. So it was uh, a gutsy performance, man. As much shit as I talked about on the U40, uh, on the boards, on the radio throughout the week. Uh, they handled a lot of adversity today, whether it be the three turnovers in the first half, which was the first since I believe uh, it was 2016 in the Texas game. Uh, and then, you know, just everything else that happened in the way you could have easily rolled over in the fourth quarter after Texas kind of takes the momentum there with 18 seconds left. But, I mean, they fought and they punched back a couple times. And I, I think you kind of see like a – a little bit of a mentality there. I know the Oklahoma fans are going to be unhappy with how they uh, finished the regulation, but just to be able to walk out of there with a win, a dramatic win at that, I think that, you know, for a lot of those young players, that's going to be a big kind of a jumping off point or a building point uh, here moving forward. We'll see. And they go into a bye week. You've got to take, take that into uh, Fort Worth in two weeks, but uh, it will be interesting to see how they can kind of build off of a dramatic kind of come from behind victory if you will well and I think one of the things today offensively that I loved and something I've been calling for all year uh was that at one point in the game Spencer Rattler and Theo Wees really got some chemistry going and we haven't seen that all year especially you know and you don't know how Rattler's going to handle that after he had that really bad drop against Iowa State where he just put it right in the bread basket and went right through his hands uh but He was a first down machine, Uh, Theo Weiss was, for Spencer Rattler for a while. And I liked how, you know, they kept going to Stogner in the overtimes. I mean, that showed uh, something that we've been calling for for a long time, which is just force feed him the ball. After we saw what Iowa State did to Charlie Kolar uh, a week ago. So I, I, I think you do have some things to build on as an offense. Your hope is that Spencer Rattler has now gone through this uh, he's faced some adversity. He he got better as the game went along uh, after some really disappointing parts of the, the fourth quarter. 
and he was the reason that they won that ball game today. Other than, you know, the defensive, the interception by Trey Brown, good for him. Uh, yes, you're pulling your hair out because Pat Fields had a bunch of penalties today again. I don't know how legitimate. So, like the interception that Trey Brown had, I don't know. I, you and Josh were both talking about it. I didn't. I wasn't in front of a television, and the replays in stadium, as everybody knows, not the greatest. Uh, but I never saw where a hold was on Trey Brown. I just saw him step in front of the uh, break on the route, step in front of the receiver, catch the ball, and they overturned the interception. I mean, Trey Brown, his career is overturned interceptions, isn't it? Yeah, that was a – I'll just – I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but that was a terrible call. There were – The Asamoah missed hold. Terrible, uh, I mean, I just don't know how you miss that kind of stuff. Uh, it'd be a bigger deal if they go on to lose the game, I I, I suppose. But there were a couple – and even uh, even a couple of the PIs, I – you know, it's it's hard to tell on television. But it, they, it, no, they there were, were absolutely a couple. One that went sailed out of the end zone that was uncatchable. There were a couple that were definitely uncatchable that PIs were called. And I know the question that everybody has is about the clock, the time that was added when Sam Ellinger – went out of bounds and they reviewed it and it was a first down and then overturned it. Everybody was telling me that, you know, on the TV replay, it was 559 when he stepped out of bounds and they added, they added the clock back to 636. I'm going to have to go back and look at the TV copy myself uh, just to see when that play happened. But that, I mean, that is an error that should not have happened. And and I'm Lincoln Riley was not asked about it after the game. I'm sure that's something he'll be asked about this week, especially being a bye week like it is. Uh, But that is, yeah, that's a head scratcher if they added an extra 37 seconds onto the clock because obviously that helped Texas a lot in the end. No doubt about it. And, I mean, Kerry, is it it just as simple enough to say Spencer and Rattler and Theo Weiss, they grew up a little bit today. Uh, You know, I thought that the eight-minute drive there in the third quarter that basically started – with about nine and I think it was 940 left and took until about the one minute mark of the third quarter. That uh, included uh, a couple big runs. It included two massive, massive throws from Rattler to Theo Weiss on third down, uh, third and nine, and I believe it was a third and 10. Uh, It just like, you could see that them growing up a little bit. And I think that, you know, that especially considering the way that the first quarter went and everything that went into the first half for Spencer Rattler, I think we might have learned a little bit about him. There, he could have easily, uh, I guess, in a way, hung his head uh, because, I mean, the reality is he did get benched in the first half. And uh, uh, I, I just thought that, you know, overall, you take away certainly all the positives out of uh, that game uh, more so than look at kind of the negatives as far as what didn't happen or what they weren't able to do. Yeah, and I think, you know, you can – they won the game. I mean, that's – you know, if they, they played like shit against Kansas State, they played like shit against Iowa State. They lost both of those games. And you knew if a couple things happened here or there and they won, no one would be happy, but you'd move on and you wouldn't – you know, I mean, it's been chaos on the boards. I mean, just absolute chaos. And I understand it. And, and <laughs> Josh and I this week – I mean, we keep getting these uh, PMs from people that we've – I've banned or had to ban – and it's like people apologizing, like, yeah, I was super drunk. I regret I ever did that. That's embarrassing. I I hope you'll forgive me and let me back. Like, it has been rough on the fan base. It has not been easy. And had they lost this game today, 
I don't want to know what the next two weeks were going to be like. Now, there's going to be the standard complaining and griping and belly aching and all that stuff. But a win cures a lot. And a win over Texas is absolutely what you needed not to have a three-game losing streak. Because let's face it, Eddie, if Lincoln Riley had lost this game today, he would have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. And that's the worst possible thing that happened. And that would have had everybody questioning not just this game, but questioning Lincoln Riley as a coach overall. Like, where is he taking this program? Uh, he is not Bob Stoops. Uh, you know, he's too he's too concerned with his, you know, making his players happy instead of coaching, which all that stuff is going to be said because he's Lincoln Riley and he's young and he's a head coach and he's facing his first adversity as a head coach. But, my God, the, the weight that it lifts off of his shoulders from just a public perception standpoint is enormous. Lincoln Riley is just the second head coach in Oklahoma history to win at least four of his first five games against Texas. Obviously, he's now four and one. Uh, obviously, he's joining Bob Stoops in doing that, who won his first four or five against Texas. And, uh, you know, I, it was it was just incredible. I, which way do you want to go on this now, Kerry? Uh, you want to talk about Oklahoma's defensive line? Uh, they record, or the defense records six sacks in the game and ten tackles for loss which was actually combined with the nine from last year, uh, 15 in the last two seasons and 25 tackles for loss in the last two seasons against Texas. Or I could go and talk about Sam Elinger because as much as people dislike the guy and he's now one and four against Texas, that dude's a gamer, man. He can't. He kept that team and basically willed that yeah, team he really down did. the field in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he was their heartbeat. I mean, he's really good. But I, I'll say this, the six sacks that was announced after the game, that's the first time in the history that the Sooners have had back-to-back games against Texas where they've uh, compiled six sacks or more. Unbelievable. So, so I mean, uh, give I give Mike- Jamar Kane, give Calvin Thibodeau a lot of credit. I know Josh had tweeted this during the game. Uh, there was a small movement from a, you know, a rumor mill website that's been trying to rip on Calvin Thibodeau and, and say that, you know, he needs to be replaced because I think they're friends with Jerry Montgomery or something. Uh, but, I mean, it was just completely a, a fantastic performance once again uh, by, by uh, sorry, I'm in a, in a traffic situation here. Again, we're doing the pod like never before. I'm actually driving home. Uh, Eddie is back in Norman. Uh, no videographers were allowed today in the press box because there's no video shooting uh, from the field or anything like that. So uh, I am headed home. Bob is uh, finishing up his writing in the press box. So we've never really done it like this before. It's a little bit different, but I think it's going okay so far. Uh, but, Eddie, I mean, the defensive line, they've been the stars of this defense. And I don't i don't know that that's really the story of the defense. To me, the story is – Alex Grinch working in a lot of young guys, Woody Washington being one of the stars today, playing corner even. Uh, and then you saw a lot of other faces out there. You saw Trey Norwood playing in place of Delarian Turner. Yeah, which was kind of odd. Uh, but you did see Jeremiah Cradell. Uh, you saw uh, Joshua Eaton out there. You saw a lot of young faces today, and they all seemed to play really, really well. They showed up. And, you know, that you, did, you definitely didn't see the tackling issues that Oklahoma had a, uh, a week ago or even two weeks ago. I thought for the most part that got shored up. And it's like you said, Kerry, with 
five minutes left. They've given up 17 points to a team that, I mean, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but they were averaging 51 points a game going into the uh, into the game today. So I know that they, you know, that was kind of inflated with the performance in Lubbock for Texas, but at the same time, they've been scoring a lot of points, and you'd only given up 17. So uh, overall, I thought that that group and you know what and the they biggest could, thing Texas could they, not run the football. I mean, outside of Ellinger. Oh freelancing i mean the defensive line just stuffed their run all day and they didn't give up the massive big play today no nope. i think that's the biggest takeaway they didn't give up the big play today and that's something you can build off of i mean that's how bad it was a week ago so uh you know did they put together four quarters today no certainly not it seemed like they put together seven quarters if you add in all of the overtimes but i mean they they came up in the special teams that i obviously outside the Burkich miss which is just could have been absolutely catastrophic but you did block a punt today uh you didn't you didn't have anything bad in the return game so uh it was it was just it was incredible it was, i mean it was a it was a fun watch is what it was what was it like in the stadium today oh i mean you could i mean you know that press box i mean you've been in it before it is vacuum tubed uh, sure. So even when it's a full stadium, you know you can hear the back and forth. But I mean, you could hear you could hear the OU sucks chance from Texas. I mean, it was interesting because toward the end of the game, both sides uh, they they kind of decided like f this. Uh, we're going down as close as we can to the field, and we're all going to gather. There was no social distancing uh, when the overtime started because Texas fans. I, and I think it was mostly students, but they crowded down to the field. Uh, Texas was the same way. OU's crowd was a little bit larger. Uh, but, I mean, they definitely had an impact on the game. I mean, they could be heard. And the momentum that, you know, flipped, especially, you know, with that last four minutes, I mean, those Texas fans, I'll give it up to them. They always show up late, but they stay and stay uh, unless it's 63-14. They stuck around, and they made a lot of noise. So, I mean, it was a decent atmosphere. It wasn't anything like a normal OU Texas atmosphere, but the people that were there brought it. I'll say that. What did you think of the uh, fourth down call? I know that there's going to be a lot of uh, people that kind of talk about uh, – or not fourth down, but the, the third, third down. The third down, the throwing it instead of running it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I mean, we're, we're bitching and complaining about him not uh, being – aggressive on you know firsting or uh, was the let me ask game. you was the pass a little behind stogner it was catchable i'll say that it it, it should have been caught because he what he bobbled it and then he kind of grabbed it but he juggled it and he just never could yeah, quite come it, down it, with it just, it, it kind of ricocheted in his hands a little bit if if, if that makes sense I mean, look, it's a lot better than, you know, running T.J. Pledger on third and 25. I mean, or whatever that was. I mean. Sure. But, no, I mean, I, I could see both sides. Texas only had one timeout left. Uh, they probably weren't going to use it there, try and save it. You could have taken 40 more seconds off the clock. I mean, it, hindsight is twenty twenty. He should have run it there, knowing what we know now. But that's what, I mean. Everybody was so critical of Lincoln Riley and how conservative he got. He actually went for it at that point. So I guess I guess this should be the rule. If you ever bitch today about him not opening up or being too conservative, becoming old Bob, then you can't bitch about him going for it on third down with a pass. And that's and that's not to say that, 
you know, Lincoln Riley and I, I, I guess you could maybe even throw Grinch in there a little bit, but that's not to say that neither of those guys shouldn't have some criticism because, uh, you know, I, the way that the fourth quarter went, of course they're going to need some criticism. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't like the reverse on third and five uh, that, to Theo East, but then again, if it works, everybody says what a call to put an ice on the game. By the way, I want to remind you guys, uh, the post-game podcast, the Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast, brought to you by Eskridge Lexus of Oklahoma City at Eskridge. Uh, does a great job helping to support the podcast. So if you can, we always appreciate you uh, trying to support uh, Eskridge Lexus. Go to EskridgeLexus.com. A lot of new 2021s coming in. We drove the uh, uh, all-wheel drive 2021 ES350 to uh, Iowa State last week, and it was a fantastic car. Uh, I mean, just I love those cars. They're they're absolutely fantastic. I know the new ISs are coming out the 2021s. Very popular car, along with the RXs, the sport utility vehicle uh, that is the highest selling. Uh, go check them out, EskridgeLexus.com, and uh, make them let them know you listen to the Sooner Scoop podcast. Uh, tell them that you want the Sooner Scoop special, and uh, you'll get a better deal than everybody else just because you listen to the Sooner Scoop podcast. If you go visit EskridgeLexus.com. So thanks to Ed and everybody over there for continuing to support the podcast. Uh, now, Eddie, I think one of the things about the defense today, Ellinger made all the plays with his feet. That I mean, that was the backbreaker, and that's what you expect going into to playing a game against Texas, a big rivalry game, a, a, a game where teams were pretty evenly matched. Uh, I think you got to give a lot of credit to the secondary for just blanketing their receivers because – a lot of times today, Ellinger had to pull it down because there was just simply no one to throw to, uh, especially the majority of the game. No, I thought the Oklahoma secondary did pretty well. And even on the plays that, uh, you know, even in the first half when Buki was called for uh, the pass interference, either the one in the end zone, uh, I, you know, it, that's, a, that's a tough call. That's a tough way to, uh, to go out because I thought he had decent coverage on the guy. I thought Jane Davis had a pretty good day today. He did. Uh, and you know what the most important thing was is you didn't look out there and go, oh, God, Josh Eaton just got burned on something, or Woody Washington didn't uh, didn't cover his guy. It was the exact opposite. It was Woody Washington coming up with a big play in the fourth quarter. So, uh, overall, much improved from a week ago. Uh, you, you you have to give it up to that group because they've been uh, kind of the uh, – the whipping boy, uh, if you will, for uh, for the Oklahoma fan base and even for us, uh, in, or myself at least, in, in uh, that group for sure. But they, I thought that they uh, bounced back today, and you know, I overall there was a lot of things that you really had to like with what Oklahoma was able to do there in the secondary, and you know, even uh, there were now there were points though that I will say that uh, Texas receivers were open and leading up, and you know, for the first, second, and third quarters at least that. Elinger just missed him. He just flat out missed some guys early in that game. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. You live to see another day. Yeah, and boy, Woody Washington, I mean, I don't know how you can't be excited about that kid. I mean, he's come in. He's played corner. Uh, it's been a really long time since OU has, has had someone that versatile, that athletic, that can play multiple positions and can make plays. I mean, how long has it been since – I mean, it's really been since Trey Brown probably and, and – you know, and, and, and Trey Norwood were freshmen, true freshmen, that you've seen young kids come in and make plays and certainly make, you know, not make plays in that big of a game. I guess, you know, Brown and Norwood were doing it in Bedlam back in the day, but that is the first time we've seen a young player step up and make game-changing plays 
uh, in a very, very long time in the secondary. It's been a while since I've seen somebody make a play like he did in the end zone uh, there with, you know, six minutes left or whatever it was on the interception. That was, uh, I, I, I even tweeted it at the time, but like, that's why you go recruit the best players. That's why you go recruit guys uh, or go into SEC country. I mean, he was the number one player in Tennessee for a reason. And I can't imagine the type of confidence that you take out of that game if you're a Woody Washington in making a play like that uh, to put your team in position like he did today. And he's got to be on the field. I mean, all the time. I mean, he's pretty, I mean, you know, Alex Grinch, he played dime a lot today. And I mean, the, the combinations that he had out there, I couldn't believe how many DBs were on the field at one time. It was like Trey Norwood and Buki and Fields and uh, Jaden Davis and Woody Washington. And it seemed like there were like a couple more. It was just like, he was throwing all kinds of shit out there today as a defense. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, like, the whole thing about uh, Eagles being 6'4", like, that never really reared its head. It never really hurt them. Well, Eddie, let's let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, special teams have been a problem for Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, Gabe Burkich has missed field goal. Uh, now, that's something I'm sure people will question, like, why did you do that? I mean, if they had lost the game, everybody would have been asking, why did you do that on second? you know, second down and not just try and go ahead and score the touchdown. Uh, but fortunately for Lincoln Riley, they end up winning the game. But the Marvin Mims, I mean, there's another freshman for you. Uh, in this game, stepping up, making a huge play in the punt return game. Uh, and, you know, he had some nice catches early, but you almost feel like this receiving course kind of starting to round out into difference makers, one being Stogner. Weiss had a good day today. Uh, Drake Stoops is, just has a penchant for coming up with big plays. Uh, Marvin Mims has had some big plays. But, you know, outside of that, Charleston Rambo could have been a lot better, should have been a lot better. Uh, to, for me, Eddie, he just kind of continues to fall down the list in, 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 in guys that are making plays out there as receivers. Yeah, uh, you know, Rambo finishes the day with uh, two receptions for 16 yards. There was actually nine different guys that caught receptions today obviously two of those being uh two of those being h-backs and jeremiah hall and austin stock well, i guess three of them jeremiah hall austin stockner and mikey henderson all caught a ball and then tj pledger obviously but you know i go i walk out of that game carry and i think theo weiss took a step to being the number one receiver on this football team and if you can get that out of him uh the big catches that he was able to have and he didn't necessarily light up the uh staff book either finishes the day with eight receptions for yards but you just take some confidence out of that group and you think that maybe Rattler found some guys that he can trust late in games and you certainly saw that with Stogner obviously Drake made the the big play the actually the game winner so uh, yeah I mean if you want to go stock down it's hard not to and I hate to kill the kid but Charleston Rambo just he, he's not that guy Kerry he's just not that guy I mean we've seen Three, we've seen four games now. We've seen three against Division One opponents, and he just isn't. I mean, it, the, 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 the development, uh, his ability with the ball in his hands or even to catch the ball, uh, it's just, it just not there. And I, I, I don't know any other way to I mean, to me, Ra I, I walk out of there, though, thinking that they really found something in the open. Yeah, and to me, uh, Rambo is not a possession receiver. He's a, he's a receiver that, you know, you send down the field. Uh, and you try and hit a shot, and maybe he gets behind the defense. 
Uh, but as a guy that, you know, you throw a lot of short stuff to, I continue to say this over and over. I just I don't feel it with him. I don't get it with him. So, um, And you, you know what? Maybe, maybe the best thing maybe the best thing for Charleston Rambo would be taking a little bit of pressure off of him and him not having to be that guy. Maybe the development of a Theo Weiss or a Marvin Mims even, if they could step up and they're comfortable in that position to be that guy, maybe maybe Charleston Rambo starts to shine a little bit more if, if he doesn't have to have that pressure going into a game thinking, God, I have to put up some big numbers for Spencer today. All right, so Eddie, uh, I mean, this team now sits at 2-2, two and two, heading to the bye week. Now, I don't know, you want to update us? Because I'm not even sure what happened in the rest of the Big 12. I think Iowa State won pretty easily today. Yeah, Iowa State ends up beating uh, Texas Tech up in Ames 31-15 to today. Uh, surprisingly, and I guess I don't know if I should say surprisingly, but I was surprised. Uh, a final from Fort Worth was uh, Kansas State actually going down and knocking off TCU. Let me get the final score pulled up here. I believe uh, TCU tacked on a late touchdown and then wasn't able to do much after that, but uh, Kansas State goes down to Fort Worth and wins 21-14 to today. Uh, from what I saw, Max uh, Duggan was not very good. Uh, but, yeah, those were the only three games. Obviously, Oklahoma and Texas, uh, probably your, uh, your, your most uh, uh, talked about game out of the Big 12 today. Uh, around the country, I thought A&M, was, uh, I, they were surprising today. Kellen Mond played really well, 338 uh, yards, three touchdowns. They kick a field goal to beat Florida late. Uh, Alabama is playing down in Oxford right now. It's 7-7 to in a monsoon. Uh, and then Auburn, right before we started uh, uh, right before we started recording, Carrie, they knock off uh, Arkansas with a late field goal wow. and what was a ending that will be talked about uh, for probably the next week. Uh, flat out, Arkansas got screwed on a uh, call uh, late in the game. Well, I mean – I guess the possibility is there that the three best teams in the Big 12 are Kansas State, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State now. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any other way that you can look at it. I mean, obviously, Iowa State lost to TCU, so Kansas State and Oklahoma State uh, undefeated, right? Correct. And the only those are the only two? Uh, well, yeah, in, in league play, yeah. Yeah, so unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it really is. It really is. And, uh, you know, I mean, Oklahoma, we're certainly not going to sit here and talk about them making a, a bid to get back into the Big 12 championship picture just yet. But, I mean, again, I kind of sound like a broken record. I just can't overemphasize the way that Oklahoma was able to win for that young group of core players. That has to do something going into a bye week rather than the opposite side of that, of you sitting there for two and a half weeks basically – kind of wondering where the program's going at one and three yeah. if you lose that game today. You know, I, this is something I want to bring up. I brought this up before the game started. You know, I'm sitting there watching, doing the uh, pregame thread. Got derailed by Ronnie Perkins' discussions, of course. Um, and I'm watching all these groups huddle. I'm watching the defensive line, and Isaiah Thomas is in the middle, uh, barking orders at everybody, getting them motivated, ready to play. Uh, I'm looking at other areas of the field, and I look over at defensive backs. And who's in the middle of the huddle commanding it? Justin Broyles, which, great kid. We love Justin Broyles. Uh, we said, you know, we were kind of heartbroken for what he went through at the LSU game last year. 
But at the same time, I'm like, Pat Fields is your captain. And that just kind of goes to show you that this secondary, even though they have some experience with Buki, with Trey Brown, with Pat Fields, DeLarian Turner-Yell, those aren't really natural leader type guys. And, I mean, the one thing I I think you can take if you're a Sooner fan from this season, the pandemic season, 2020, is if this team can continue to play like they did the first three and a half quarters today, they're going to get some experience. They're going to get some guys that are playmakers that are going to come back a year from now and be ready to make that defense something special. And with that defensive line continuing to build pair on Winfrey, I thought had a really good game today. That defensive line just pressured and pressured and pressured. And I don't know what's going to happen to Ronnie Perkins. I don't know, you know, depending on Isaiah Thomas, what was the deal with his shoulder or arm at the end of the game? We'll find out, hopefully. I don't know what the future holds for Ronnie Perkins after everything that's gone on uh, the last couple of weeks. And, you know, his status with the NCAA is now up in the air. We'll see what happens. Uh, But, man, I mean, the one thing you can get out of the season, regardless if you win a Big 12 or not, or get back in the race, one, you can be a spoiler, and the other, you can get this defense, some experience, and some leaders. Maybe a guy like Woody Washington steps to the forefront heading into next year. No doubt. I, I mean, I think that when you are where Oklahoma was defensively, shit, seven days ago, uh, more more specifically like the last three, four years, you have to start developing leadership on that side of the ball. You have to start developing uh, some of your younger players. And I think for the fan base, that's just what's frustrating out of the last two weeks. Like, why did it take losing the way that they did over the last two weeks to give a Woody Washington an opportunity, to give a Joshua Eaton an opportunity? Uh, I, I guess that's kind of nitpicking after a win like that. But, you know, I, it is kind of the truth at the same time. And I, I think you're right, though, that they're 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 trying to build something and that was a good step forward. It was a good step in the right direction to get some good vibes on that side of the ball. And especially, I guess, in a way to, uh, you know, I, let's let's face it. They came up with two stops in the last two overtimes. They forced a field goal that was blocked uh, that Perry on Winfrey got a hand on. And, you know, Perry Winfrey got the hand on that. I thought he had a pretty productive day uh, just overall. I thought Joshua Ellison had a pretty productive day on uh, the defensive side of the ball as well. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to take out of that. And, uh, it, there's one more stat that was just insane to me that was texted to me during the game. Over the last six OU Texas games, this is including the Big 12 championship game in 2018, OU has lost the turnover battle 14 to five, a combined 14 to five, and uh, OU is actually five and one in those games. That's crazy. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, and I think, you know, defensively just to kind of cap it off it was really good for a long time today and then it wasn't uh and it it, i don't i do think it's something that they can build on it's something that can make them better i mean going into the stretch of tcu and texas tech if they can get a couple of wins they get back to four and two and you 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 look good defensively doing it spencer rattler continues to grow that offense continues uh to find reliable weapons and maybe Spencer Rattler starts getting confidence, like, we're going to go out here and just score as many points as we want. Because they are not there yet. Not anywhere close. 
but they're closer than they were no, no, that, at that Kansas State game. They're headed in the right direction. I mean, anybody that wants to just completely tear down the thing, you can. There's going to be people that are going to do that. But, I mean, in a way, they made the plays when they needed them the most today, I guess you could say. They had pressure on Elinger at times. They, they covered in the secondary. They didn't give up the big play. And I'll, I'll say it again because I think that that is something that has kind of hampered this team, specifically over the last two weeks and, and the losses to Kansas State and Iowa State, that you just had moments where you go, how does that happen? And it happened a couple times today, but you also got to credit Texas. They're, they're pretty good uh, offensively. Now, the defensive side of the ball, that's a little bit of a question mark, but, uh, you know, they – Overall, it was a uh, it was a good performance, a uh, incredible win, and I think one that a lot of people will remember uh, for a long time. And you know, hopefully for this uh, this young group uh, of guys that got a lot of playing time and are going to get a lot of playing time over the next few seasons, that's the future of the program. Hopefully, that's a building point, and uh, they can really kind of uh, make I guess leap from what they were able to do today. 53-45, to 45, Sooners win it in quadruple overtime. Uh, this has been the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast. Uh, thanks to Eddie for uh, taking the time out to join us after the game. Uh, we will be back. I don't know what our media schedule is going to be like this week, but uh, certainly we'll have an official 40 podcast where Josh and Bob uh, will get to weigh in on this game uh, as well coming up on Wednesday. So uh, looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to people just kind of being able to take a deep breath know that it wasn't perfect but at least it was a win and it was especially a win over texas because eddie i can't imagine what texas fans are feeling right now they wanted to fire tom herman after last week uh what do they want to do after today i mean just uh just a quick scan of the interwebs would tell you that uh and i i talked a little bit to uh, dustin mccomas about this the other day I, I i jumped on a podcast with the orange blood folks and they had lost half of the fan base before today. I can't imagine how bad it is on that side of the fence uh, as they make their way back to Austin today down that I-35 because that is, uh, I don't know. These guys work cut out with them, but you know what? I'll just say it. Good. He's a douchebag. I hate him. <laughs> By the way, very disappointing to see uh, a young lady uh, wearing a burnt orange flipping the bird at the end of that game, you know. They as both you say, were pretty hot, yeah, they were both pretty hot. I, but you know, as you've always said, Eddie, uh, we we're always told that the horns down is a gateway gesture. Makes me think that uh, horns up might be the same. You might have a point. I might have to do a uh, might have to do a little investigation during the bye week. I think everybody will look forward to that. All right, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, uh, this uh, one of a kind podcast while on the road. I think. We'll fix everything in post because it didn't go that smoothly, you know, cell coverage and all that stuff. So, Eddie, I appreciate your patience tonight. Uh, I'm sure you've got the tall boys uh, ready to go. Oh, yeah. Now that you're back from the parents' house. No doubt. I don't even want to know what the rest of your night entails. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll if, if, if people listen to this quick enough, maybe they'll uh, see me out in downtown Oklahoma City tonight. All right, Edward. I appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you again on Wednesday. And uh, congratulations, Sooner fans. You have two weeks to enjoy something about OU football, a 53-45 win over the University of Texas and the Red River rivalry. 
Until next time, thanks for listening to the Eskridge Lexus Post Game Podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com.